Hackernoon podcast. My name is David Smook, the founder and CEO of Hackernoon. And today we're doing This Week on Planet Internet. And joining me is the podcast host recently in the Netherlands, Amy Tom. Hello. And on the other side of the world in Hanoi, we have Kian Dow. Hi. Why am I clapping? I always clap for myself when I start a podcast. That's, That's a very natural okay. I, I should clap for myself. Yeah. I'm here. It's called therapy. Yeah, I clap for myself for everything I do. <laughs> so today, we're going to start with the most talked about tech company of the last two weeks in a CNBC article. It's called A Facebook Name Change Could Be a Great Idea or a Terrible One. I'm still in the headline here. Just look at Google, Apple, and more by Tom Huddleston Jr. And in this article, they break down historical changes of related companies, starting with Google becoming Alphabet, Apple dropping Apple Computer from their name, Duncan dropping Donuts, so getting out of the tech industry, KFC removing Fried from their name, and Philip Morgus going up in smoke and becoming a bunch of subscribers subsidiaries and basically being a private equity company with their cigarette money, Weight Watchers becoming an acronym, the WWF taking down the WWE in a battle. If anyone remembers that, the wrestling organization used to be WWF. And then the World Wildlife Fund had a problem with that. And so it's an interesting article to talk about the implications of such a well-known thing changing its name. I was drawn to it because like companies like the aggregate of the interactions with its customers and the, the world, and does it even matter if Google calls themselves Alphabet? Aren't they still Google? So there's like a battle of what happens, and then there's a battle of maybe they're right. And maybe if Dunkin' drops donuts, they'll sell more coffee because people don't think of them as just donuts. Amy, what did you think of the, the lessons here for name changing? Yeah, that's really interesting because when we talk about Google and Alphabet, and the article basically tries to talk about how Alphabet and Google work because when you use Google, you're still using Google. And the average Google consumer doesn't even need to necessarily know that the Alphabet company is powering or behind Google uh, because Google as a search engine is so prevalent and so popular that it didn't make a difference. But when we talk about Facebook, there's so many different ways that they make money that they try and integrate under the Facebook name right now that it's confusing. Like, they have their Facebook app, which obviously is like how it all started. And then they also are putting their Facebook name more and more attached to WhatsApp and to their other products. So it's really interesting to see that they want to change the name as Google and Alphabet did. And yet, maybe get rid of the Facebook brand altogether? I don't know. Weird. Interesting. I think the Facebook one, it's like they want to be more diverse, but then also like I got notifications to try and merge my Instagram and Facebook inbox with Messenger. And it was like trying to cross-platform message. And it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. That feels like you're abusing the, the uh, market share you have in two apps enforcing a function, an individual function into a new third app that we don't want. So I, th I think that one's bothering me a little bit. Kian, you have a good sense of taste. If yeah. Facebook can diversify, because visually they put like the little Facebook logo below Instagram and they said that within WhatsApp, like you were saying, Amy, they put Facebook logo in there more. But do you think like a new brand is the right move for them? Actually, I think that the new rebranding re of Facebook 
it's not entirely directed to change Facebook, the app, the social media platform itself, but rather than the uh, the corporate, like the whole, the big company. So what I think is that they will still keep Facebook, the app alongside with Instagram and WhatsApp, but the company, the mother company will change. And that's an interesting thing because like they, I feel like they decided all that within the span of one to two weeks and, and just like very different from, from examples in the article, like Apple or Google or WWF, it seems like Facebook is doing this to, to tone down all the crisis that it has been dealing with uh, for the, for the past two weeks. And yeah, I'm not too sure uh, whether it will be a successful or a terrible decision. I'm not too sure, but one thing I can feel for sure is that Facebook, the app will not change or not change yet. So let's go back to the Apple example, because the Google example is like a whole different name. They're trying to say there's a whole new parent. Google's so diverse. When you say Google, you think search and you don't think of all the other Nest and every other company they own within there that does something totally different than search. But the Apple computer one, I think, is really relevant because they were pigeonholed into being a computer company. Facebook is a little bit pigeonholed into the Facebook app and definitely into social media. And now they're saying the metaverse is different than social media. And we're going to be a metaverse company. So to get out of a pigeonhole, you can try and, and this Apple did it very clever, go shorter. Instead of saying we're Apple computer, we're just Apple and we make any type of great hardware. And whenever you associate with that feeling of the computer, you can associate that with your phone and we're bigger than that. So I think that's more of, I was in their room, that's more of what they're going for of saying they come up with a name that has to become bigger than the Facebook app, even if Facebook doesn't change. Mm -hmm. But is Facebook going to change as like the app? Because if they are trying to incorporate everything into the metaverse, are they still going to call Facebook or are they going to change it? I think the comparison would be from Ready Player One. The Oasis would be Facebook. And then Mm. what is it? A new or the next version of it would be what they're trying to do here. Yeah. But I, I also think if you take a look at Facebook, they're having pretty big problems right now. The other things that are leaking in these papers were the number of young users is going down and they're very concerned about it. And it was just more evidence. That's why another reason why to buy some of these younger apps that are getting more young people and the threat of TikTok having more market share there and the Apple changes to the phone drastically reduced their ad revenue. So if this company is going to continue to grow the, the rate it's growing, it's probably going to happen outside of the Facebook app. It's probably what they're thinking of, hey, we're bigger than Facebook. We're the whole metaverse. It's interesting because different from like other corporates, this move from Facebook seems like a very Hail Mary queen of a move, like just trying to get out of a different situation. With Apple and maybe Google, they have a vision. They have a long-term plan to develop into a corporate that can handle like everything that they can, like they, they are technology um, corporates but like for facebook it this feel like a, a move just to just to get out of, of the image that facebook is targeting it's not d- dealing with, good with harassment and bad uh, and bad publicity and they're say, saying in this article that i really like from cnn um, business that says fresh coat of paint won't, won't fix the underlying issues of like in the document even though facebook is trying very hard to rebrand itself will it be able to get out of the um, bad publicity that it has been dealing with in recent weeks we don't know but but yeah it's definitely a very different motive compared to apple and google or alphabet so the building on it the next article I'm a branding expert. Here's what Facebook's report reported name change really signals. Rebanding Facebook shows the company cares a lot more about Wall Street than consumers. So 
I think that's a good point of just where is this coming from? So do you think the crisis affects the stock price and they're trying to move the stock price? Um, here's a good point. Building a monolithic brand is hard. It's easier to have 20 horses in the race than one. Nike, how many things can Nike be? How many verticals can Nike be in? Amazon's amazing, starting at online books and going to online everything. But really, they you start with online books because it was the easest thing to do online. To sell online, and then you're associated with. But uh, and you know, pretty pretty early on in their journey. And the thing that's going to be interesting with the Facebook pivot is that Facebook has been around and so established as a social media company for so long that it's going to be so hard for them to pivot like that. Yeah, and yes, just so many people. Amazon impacted people that bought things online. Facebook impacted like everyone online almost still will it become a trend rename yourself to reinvent yourself you are what you say you are <laughs> you're a superstar let's move on to something a little more fun how about some wild speculation about what the name of facebook could become i got a slogging story from our hacker noon slack hung said new phone who dis richard said houdini oh we have amy here she can read her line I thought that Metabook. it would be called the Metabook or the Faceverse. Could you please make a case for either? I mean, it's only natural, is it not? I would, I prefer it to be Faceverse because I really am into that. But Metabook would also be pretty great. That's good. What do you think? I don't know. I feel it could be more. I, I, I think both names are, are pretty cool. Metabook, it's my favorite one. Yeah. Okay, I mean, like, I'll see you it, on the Metabook yeah, I mean, it shoots on the, the current trend of everything go ha having its own um, metaverse. And so it makes sense. And it still keeps the book uh, in, the, in the name. Yeah. All right. Then Katarina came in strong with Facebook. No? No takers? <laughs> I also love that. My big suggestion was the facebook to revert back to where we uh -huh. were previously Ooh. it'll be a user graph like this right back down <laughs> we'll be right back where we started <laughs> then we got some oasis i'm interested old, in the meta like, book now okay that, that comes out so naturally uh, um, from your mouth baby like uh, right go to the meta perfect go to the meta book i'm on meta book i'm on meta book I, I, did you add my meta book account I, it's so it's so natural face first i oh. prefer honestly that, because that's it's a lot so of, funny yeah that that's a tongue twister like face first but like very hard for people with long tongue to pronounce it i think compared, about, to, compared to meta book it just goes for metaverse and they just say that's our word now Google's what? why they're taking so long and they're trying to plan as many metaverse stories as possible then the big announcement is they're called metaverse Boom. But then, but then there will be there will only be limited to metaverse and everything around it. They won't be able to expand and grow in the future, like but ten the years But metaverse from now. is everything. You don't know yet. Technology is always revolving, uh, like you know, evolving. I mean, like growing and changing itself. You don't know. Maybe there's something even bigger than metaverse um, so, in the future. A recent um, article from the Hill. Here's Zuckerberg's quote on the subject. <laughs> Working with others, we're developing what is often referred to as the metaverse, a new phase of interconnected virtual experiences using technology like virtual and augmented reality. So yeah. he, wa he wants it all. If you're in 3D in, in the cloud somewhere, he wants mm -hmm. it to be uh, his metaverse. Um, I think it's the intention of that quote.
anyway, let's move on to something pretty related. We ought to get better at recognizing dark patterns. This is an article by The Markup, uh, republished in Hacker Noon. You can listen to it on Hacker Noon. And this is kind of like, why do people get paid a lot in UX? Sometimes it's to help the user. Sometimes it's to deter the user. If you think about subscription-based businesses, uh, losing a customer is just as important as gaining a customer. So some of the times you'll get these incentives where these bigger companies are starting to bleed customers and they'll start to build patterns that make it hard to get away <laughs> or hard to do what you want. So hard to unsubscribe, hard to unpay are kind of good examples, but there's smaller examples too of just like how to give information you don't want to give or how to be misled into giving information you don't need to give. And it starts with trying to cancel a kid's app that she didn't realize she was paying $50 a month for. Typical journalism of a nice anecdote to do the example of the story in the beginning, but then it gets a little more fun where they're starting to say, okay, we're going to go through two examples of each and say, which one is the dark pattern here? In the first one, you get a 10% discount if you sign up for our email newsletter field, then call to action is get my 10% off. And then the way to get out of this pop-up is no, I don't like paying more than I need to, which like, who wants to agree? No, I don't like paying more than I need to. But in order to get out of this flow, that's a button you have to click. And you have to have a moment where you read those words, accept those words and have to click through those words in order to get what you want which is not to have this pop up. I don't want to have to agree. I'm someone who, quote, likes paying more than I need to. And if I can add to that, like in terms of design, you can see that the hierarchy of design is like being recognizable. It's important. And interestingly, they put that, that text right there, like in very tiny font and at the bottom of the box. And so it, they want you to think that your decision is not as important. No, That's it's really fine, tricky. And, and it's not even a button. Yeah. Like it's just a it's a casual link. Right. Yeah. It it it's not even recognized as a equal button. How you measure can get really bad because if you tell someone your job is to increase email subscribers, okay, and that's your only job. Look through the keyhole and do that. The upper pattern is the correct solu solution, the logical solution, not maybe not correct, but the logical one they'll reach because it will hit their goal. This dark pattern will get more people to enter their email because many people enter their email believing you can't get to the next screen without it. Um, then yeah. you look at the proper UX or the fair or honest UX, sign up and no thanks are equal size buttons. And it's yes or no. Do you want this or not? Yeah. It's clear this is a binary choice you can make. And it's just, I wish all the sites treated <laughs> the, the visitor with this level of respect. Equality, no thanks button, lives matter. <laughs> right. All right, let's move to the yeah. next one. Oh, interesting. Sorry. Yes, this one is my favorite one. Audio listeners out there, the first one says, allow access to your contacts to find friends on chat app. Button one, yes. Button two, no. Equal size. Next one, allow access to your contacts to find friends on chat app. Chat app. Button one, yes. Button two, not now. What do you guys think of this one? Which one is the dark pattern? It's the not Definitely now. the not now. Yeah. You're asking a question and you're saying no or not now. And I love that they call this nagging. <laughs> like as if it's your mom doing the UX. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Yeah, it, not it, now it, it gives you ability. It's, it's definitely going to happen later is the implication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it gives you like a um, the future possibility of being able to accept it somehow. All right, let's move to this one is from apple.com. 
It says game-changing MacBook Pro with M1 Pro and M1 Max delivers extraordinary lowercase performance and battery life and features the world's best notebook display. <sighs> A lot of superlatives coming out of the people who made it. The new MacBook Pro features a 1080p camera, the best audio system in a notebook, and the most advanced connectivity ever in a MacBook Pro. Now, you seem to care a lot about what Apple does and value. If you, if you read uh, the most advanced connectivity ever in a MacBook Pro, like it, it's very funny because it is Apple who decided to remove all the connectivity, like all the connecting ports on a MacBook Pro in 2016 in the first place. And then now when they decide to bring it back, they also bring back the most advanced connectivity ever in a MacBook Pro. Like, you know, they just, just show how, like how, how hard and how great they can go with marketing their products. Wait, but, what do you mean? Um, what ports are they bringing back? So in 2015, you'll get the USB port, uh, you get SD card ports and you'll get HDMI ports. In 2016, all of them are removed. Just the USB-C ports are. It's a great mar marketing strategy because for people who don't know, like who haven't been um, a fan of Apple for years, they will think that this is the greatest connectivity MacBook Pro ever. But it's literally just the 2015 version with some with a few upgrades. Are they like, bringing back the HDMI port? Yeah, they do. Like, uh, and they, the SD they, card they bring, slot? Yes, everything. Uh, they bring back everything. So you're everything. telling me that I bought a MacBook Pro last year so that I could use a dongle for life? Yeah. I, I <laughs> no, no. You, I yeah. hate this. I hate this too. But, you know, like for people who bought the MacBook Pro last year, yeah. But regardless of all the showcasing of the product, the new MacBook Pro, it's really a game-changing um, product. Like in from my designer, like under my designer eye, because of the because of all the ports, it gives you great connectivity and much much more convenience, like in when designing and importing and exporting your. And then the, their new um, chips, the M1 Pro and M1 Max, is really they are really powerful. Imagine, David, um, you are editing at 8K footage. In baby words, you are editing you you are like it you are loading hacker.com. It's very heavy. At the beginning of its time, it's it's pretty heavy, and you oh, we sometimes you software, yeah yeah sometimes you have to wait uh, about one to two minutes um, for the page to load. But think of it as a product or a work with this new M1 Pro and M1 Max. That that one to two minutes transfer to one to ten to twenty seconds, or even that's how powerful the chip is. Like it reduces the time of exporting and editing your work significantly. And that's why it has a very, very beefy look. You can see that it has a very thick um, bottom part. It's where all the magical happens there. You all the magic happens the there. Yeah, like the body of the Mac, it's very thick. And like a lot of people have been um, like, have been shitting on the new design of the Mac Pro. But honestly, I don't think it's, it's it's a big problem because because of how much it can do it can give you. I would rather have a thicker MacBook Pro and my SD card right? slots back minus the dongle. I, I hate the dongle. I know. And and they removed the touch bar. I feel like like I have the touch bar right here and I barely even use use it. 
Yeah, it seems um, like the last, the last one on the MacBook Pro, they were like, hey, we're so Apple, we can go simpler and simpler. We can cut out that. You have, we can get this down to two ports. You're not going to need anything. It's like, it, they, I don't know. Yeah. And then now they're, they're going back to, these are what users want. <laughs> the dongle is annoying. But, but isn't it interesting? I, I feel like this is the first time Apple ever go, like they decided to go back to a previous like, with the much wanted features on a product like they always they have been so stubborn and in, um, in releasing products like from iphone to airpods to ipads to macbooks but then with this time they decided to go back to the 2015 the ever popular um, design of the macbook and they decided to bring back all the low, beloved features and improved from there and i that's i think a that's way a way very think about like a product roadmap over decades it's if you have a big release, the fir- you go for something new and original, and then you have pushback, and then you go back to the one that was working before, and you just iterate on it. Then the next one, you al- you could alternate and like just take design risks that way. Where this is going to get a small win because it's just it gives everyone what they want and improvements on the one that worked well. I think uh, this also makes me think that the computer hardware market is deviating a bit towards the middle. Going back to an old design means it's more replicable. And other people could do it. So even if this sells, it gives me some encouragement that the um, laptop market or hardware device market won't be as consolidated to Apple. And like this, it seems more replicable. So other people could probably compete a little better. What do you, do you think? How do you think Apple have less market share in the next like five, ten years? Mm, I don't know, because the draw of being an Apple user, at least for the MacBook Pro, definitely is like the artist vibe or the creator vibe. I mean, look how cool and this guy really, is. Anyone that can yeah, see the screen. Exactly. Just, look yeah. at his big camera. Look at his <laughs> editing software. He's got it all. That's the Apple user. The one that needs to use the Photoshop and the After Effects at the same time. And... I don't know if anyone will be able to compete with the design functionality for artists, you know? I feel like the, like, Microsoft or Lenovo, whatever, all of the different hardware providers of PCs are really good at targeting, like, developers and people who need that kind of functionality in their in their laptop. But I think Apple still and maybe will forever corner the market on design. Designers and creatives, like, anything that they also provide one of the best displays out there. Their XDR display is one of the best out there in the market. And they decided to bring it to the new MacBook Pro. And so that, that steps up their game a little bit more. But this is just the, the Pro lineup for the Apple users. They also have the Air lineup, which is more um, suitable for the general public. And that's where I think they can go with the trend and they can, they can change and they can freshen up their look, just how people like it, just how, like, just to fit, fit in with the trend. Just so they can be what, what, what's the word? Like pudgy, eggy, um, Amy, uh, in the Chugy. trend. Like, Oh, yeah, Pugie. That's the word. <laughs> Pugie. Power, it's in the air. That's the slogan for MacBook Air. All right, let's move to some future technologies here on Hacker Noon. Uh, this story by Adrian Book is entitled 10 Future Technologies That Aren't in the Public Eye Yet. Uh, you can listen to it on Hacker Noon. And I'm going to be honest, I learned some new technologies. I will uh, read through the list of 10 here, and then maybe we could say which ones we're excited about. Femtosecond projection two photon lithography is number one, obviously. Number two, Li-Fi. Number three, energy storing bricks. 
Number four, robotic. What's that show called again? Black Dark Mirror. Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. Black Mirror. Black Mirror. That is exactly yeah. like Real Black Mirror. Yeah. I remember the a robotic bees reference in an article like this. He even, he even referenced a Black like Mirror episode. Hated yes. in the nation. Number five, unnamed dynamic neural networks technology. Number six, seawater fuel. Number seven, my personal favorite, twenty minute water. We'll get into that later. Number eight, zero knowledge proof. Number nine, YOLO V5. Number 10, 4D printing. All right. I will do my favorite first. Just this 20-minute water. What it is. I'll read it here. All one needs to do is soak a piece of cotton, which is highly conductive, for 20 minutes in an inexpensive solution containing carbon nanotubes and silver nanowires, then connect it to two electric wires to pass a little current through it. So basically, you soak it and you run it through electricity, boom, your water goes from dirty to clean. So you have the electricity part. Uh, I don't know how you, so how you get that in Just the wild. Just with a 20-minute soaked cotton ball in water. Like, what? Why is it specifically 20 minutes? Why can't I soak it for 10 minutes and it'll still work? I don't know. So There's a 20-minute read here over on Stanford about... High-speed filter uses electrified nanostructures to purify water at low cost. I won't believe it until I taste clean water. Once I, I do, I, I bet I bet it's no different than than, than stream water or, or like water. Dirty cotton ball. Like maybe with. <laughs> but I think it's a very um, cool technology and a very um, it's it's feasible. It's yeah, and I think feeble. you should like, do your own research at home and get some cotton balls and put them in water and see if you can recreate uh, this experience. I, I think I have, may have done that in school or something similar, like turning something dirty to something cleaner, not drinkable, but cleaner. But I think um, it's a very um, cool thing. It's definitely in, in the near future. I can see that compared to other technology in the lift. And it's very beneficial for developing countries and places where people need access to clean water for daily use. I love it. Yeah, that one was super interesting. My favorite one, though, was energy storing bricks. That is wild. So they're basically saying that red, regular red bricks that are used to build houses or walls or whatever are being used to store energy by heating them to 160 degrees and then vaporizing their surface with hydro hydrochloric acid. Woo! And then with a compound called EDOT. And then that way, they the red bricks will store energy. And then when your house is ready to use that energy, it'll just take it from the bricks. Crazy. That's so cool. So solar panels for bricks would be like the layman's pitch. Like mm -hmm. your house itself is an actual energy storing and absorbing and conducting. And it's renewable. Smart homes, like I'm, I'm but curious. make it like bricks. What would, the brick, what would the brick look like? What would the brick look like? Like, it's will just a it regular red brick. eventually become like a, a okay? But like in the future, will it eventually mm. become like a tiny dot or like a, a stone or like a marble sized thingy? Imagine like a marble sized brick that can power like a whole building. Or that's amazing. Oof. Technology. Which one did you like, Ken? Oh, my favorite one is Li-Fi. I think David. I think it's pronounced Li-Fi, right? Or Li-Fi. I mean, it's. Lindy. Uh, Li-Fi. I mean, it's light, light. I think it's Li-Fi, right? Uh, okay. it, I think it, it, it aims to you. Then, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a um a browser to Wi-Fi. It aims to use light to transmit information from point A to point B, and I don't know. It just brings up like brings up the whole game of Wi-Fi, four G, and five G. 
which makes everything faster. And it says right here, up to 100 gig gigabytes per second, which is in theory five times faster than 5G. And 5G is already very fast. And that can be very beneficial in the future, especially in, in hospitals, in the medical department, or in technology, but basically everywhere. And it's using, it's not using natural light, it's using light from LED bulbs. And, and so that, that, that can be pretty convenient, like considering we're already using um, a bunch of light in our um, environment. But one of the downsides is that it can interfere with natural light, which is the sunlight. I'm curious to how they can come up with a solution to that. But yeah, yo, it also says wow. like it is. There's talks of using it for unmanned underwater vehicles, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, what it, unmanned it, underwater vehicles? <laughs> I know, but like light is broken or like it's twisted in the water environment. Like how will they be able to cope with that and br- bring that to their advantage? Oh, that. Yeah. Amy brings up a good point about what current unmanned underwater vehicles are, are in existence today is that a common thing are we sending machines like do we have I guess, a lot um, of the submarine the topography <laughs> secret like spy submarines mach- down there yeah <laughs> what are they like, doing I, I bet jeff i bet jeff Bezos has like 1000 of them like all unmanned we we build our energy storing bricks in our underwater unmanned vehicles where the wi-fi powers the vehicle and we can drink the water we can just and we can drink the water through our organic cotton balls (laughs) (laughs) i think it's called atlantis right (laughs) oh yes yes, yes. down there no it's called actually the metabook oh (laughs) it's not real everything is in the metabook all right, guys, that's been fun talking with you all today. We are going to see everyone on the MetaBook at our Facebook Faceverse event. Uh, <laughs> I am David Smook with Hacker Noon. And Amy, Kian, would you like to say goodbye to all of our... Does anyone listen to this podcast? Are we still I, doing it? I think so, yeah. Sometimes people do. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Hacker Noon podcast.